and welcome everybody to the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm your host, Ted Flint. What do you want first? The good news or the bad news? If you're talking about politics, there really is not a lot of good news. Not just nationally, but especially here at the state level and even at the local level where I broadcast from in southern Washington County. But let's begin with, I think, what everybody realizes if you go shopping at all, and I do most of the food shopping for our family, the consumer price index or inflation, in other words, has increased yet again. Inflation is trending in the wrong direction, up 1.2% over a month ago, 8.5% increase over the past year, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Inflation in this country has not been this high since December of 1981. And it's the essentials that are driving the increase. You know, the, the rising costs for food, for shelter, and for gasoline. Everybody needs a place to live. Cost, housing costs more. Uh, food is food prices are up. Gasoline, as you know, is way up. And uh, you need food to live. You need a place to live. And you need gasoline to get you to work so you can, you know, buy the food and pay for a mortgage. Even when the CPI is measured without the gas and food, eliminating the food or the uh, fuel variable, Biden and his fellow Democrats have sought to blame everybody but themselves. It's Putin's fault. It's Putin's invasion of the Ukraine. It's Donald Trump's fault. They can spin it any way they want to spin it. The energy index in March up 32% in the last year. Food index almost 9%. The largest year-over-year increase since May of 1981. Good job, Joe. And he'll still blame Putin or, or Trump or anybody or anything rather than his foolish policies. And the other thing, and I think this is the defining issue of our times. It's not COVID. I think it's the invasion at our southern border. America is being invaded, overrun. How bad a problem is it? Well, if you watch the media, and hopefully you don't do that, you don't watch the TV because they're not telling you the truth. They tell you only what they want you to know. The Border Patrol encountered a million illegal border crossers in the first half of this fiscal year, even before peak migration months. Agents are overwhelmed, according to the Washington Examiner. This is a problem that's about to get worse. President Biden is about to blow open the floodgates on illegal immigration. And the governor of Texas is pushing back. Greg Abbott is the governor of Texas. Texas is, as you know, is providing charter buses to send these illegal immigrants from Mexico, most of them, where the southern border, that's where they enter. And he's sending them, he's busing them to Washington, D.C. He's saying, you, you people in, in D.C. love these immigrants so much, these illegals, then you've got them. He's running tour buses, busing them right to D.C., and of course, the people in the Biden administration don't like it, but it sends them, it's not going to solve anything, but it's going to send a clear message to Washington. This is your problem. You caused it. You clean it up or we will. Washington, you know, the Biden people are saying, well, we'll take care of it. We'll handle it. If they don't handle it, Texas is going to take care of business. Now, immigration is a federal responsibility, but they're not doing it. They don't want to do it. We know the federal government is charged with enforcing our nation's immigration laws and protecting our borders, but they're not doing it. And things are going to get worse. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said it would revoke Title 42, which is a public health policy that was put into place by Donald Trump. And it's been one of the few effective tools to control the massive flow of illegal immig immigration. That really began January 20th, 2021, when Biden was sworn into office. 
But this administrative rule, again, which was put into place by DJT, is set for revocation May 23rd. And Trump put it into place to allow for the rapid deportation of these illegals coming from countries with an active COVID-19 pandemic. We shouldn't need any excuse to send these people back. You're here illegally. You cross the border illegally. You're going back. Try to try to cross Mexico's border illegally. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, our Homeland Security Secretary, said in a statement, the administration plans to deport illegal immigrants regardless of the rule change. Who takes these people seriously? Since Biden got sworn in, there's been an explosion of crossings at our southern border. In the past year, the Border Patrol has logged more than 2 million encounters with illegal immigrants. In February alone, the DHS registered 165,000 illegal immigrants apprehended at the border. And it's going to get worse after May 23rd. This will create a, this getting rid of Title 42 is going to create a, a rush of illegal crossers at the border. Prediction, even the White House does not dispute. In other words, it's coming. Not a natural disaster, but a man-made disaster. With the man, in this case, being Joe Biden. In other news, the state of Pennsylvania has been ordered by a court to open up the records regarding a so-called glitch in its own system that allows non-citizens through its Department of Transportation to register to vote. Now, why would the governor of Pennsylvania, Tom Scott, a very liberal Democrat, although the legislature in Pennsylvania is controlled by Republicans, but Scott and his secretary of state are Democrats. A glitch, they say. So these illegals are able to register to vote. It is in a report at the Federalist that the recent opinion by Judge Christopher Connor was explained. The judge in federal court in the Middle District of Pennsylvania said that the year uh, said that the National Voter Registration Act allows the Public Interest Legal Foundation to see documents about the issue and the actions the state has taken to fix the mistakes in the state's voting files. The ruling is just one outcome from the 2020 presidential election that caused major concern about election integrity across the country, well, at least half of it, to which some states already have responded with additional crackdowns on opportunities for any fraudulent activity, like we saw in Pennsylvania and in Georgia and in Arizona, and especially in Wisconsin. But the crackdown has come mainly in Arizona and in Georgia. And the major issues during the, that race included decisions by multiple state and local officials to simply ignore their own state laws regarding mail-in ballots. Further, according to uh, accurate reporting from the New York Post about the Biden family's overseas money-making scandals, that was suppressed by the legacy media and social media. And there was a survey done a week or so ago by the Media Research Center, and it found that essentially many people, I don't have the exact number, who voted for Biden would have switched their votes if they had known about this. They would have voted for Trump if they knew about the Biden crime family syndicate and what Biden's interests are in China and in Ukraine and everywhere else. But they didn't know about it because, you know, Zuckerberg and, uh, and Facebook, he shut everything down. Zuckerberg's $420 million handout to local elections officials, ostensibly to help them handle the election duties during COVID, actually left some government offices acting as get-out-the-vote campaigns for Democratic candidates. There's a piece in World Net Daily, I won't spend too much time on it, but it would, what was done in 2020 can never be allowed to happen again. Social media was working for Biden and the Democrats, but we know that now. 
We suspected it, but there's clear proof of it. In state news, we record this in upstate New York. There is a report today that the lieutenant governor of New York State, Brian Benjamin, in that role for seven months, he was arrested today in a federal corruption probe. In an indictment unsealed today, Benjamin accused of participating in a scheme to obtain campaign contributions from a real estate developer in exchange for Benjamin's agreement to use his influence as a state senator to get a $50,000 grant of state funds for a nonprofit organization the developer controlled. He was a former state senator. Now he's a a lieutenant governor, Brian Benjamin. And, uh, you know, there's there's so many people arrested uh, on corruption charges and convicted over the course of the last 10, 15 years. I've been at the assembly for 18 years. There have been dozens of these people, most of them Democrats, most of them New York City Democrats. Benjamin, just the latest. It's a sad commentary here in New York State. Here's a disturbing trend. Researchers report that life expectancy in the U.S. dropped again in 2021. It's a troubling trend that began in the first year of the pandemic, specifically, and they break everything down here by race. I read this in Newsmax. I don't, I don't know where they got the report, but life expectancy down from 78.86 years in 2019 to 76.99, almost 77 in 2020. It then fell in 2021 to 76.60 years. Now, the one thing different about the, the latest longevity numbers, losses in life expectancy among white Americans, largely responsible for that continuing downward trend. In 2020, black and Hispanic Americans were disproportionately impacted or affected, I would say, by the pandemic amid their chronic health disparities. But this research team speculated the reason for the changing dynamics in 21 could be vaccine hesitancy among some white Americans and a resistance to pandemic restrictions, again, including states with disproportionately white populations. In other words, states that voted for Donald Trump, red states. You know, the uh, COVID numbers are trending in the wrong, wrong direction. And 27 states are reporting increases in COVID infections. And uh, because of that, Philadelphia is reimposing an indoor mask mandate. And businesses in Philly are warning that workers are going to bear the brunt of the negative reaction from patrons. You watch, I'm going to predict here, you watch the that this manufactured fear spread to other large democratically run cities. New York City's mayor, Eric Adams, is still forcing school children, specifically toddlers, preschool kids, to mask up. Knowing full well that vector the age five, ages 5 to 17 group is the least affected by the virus. They are the group that are, is least likely to get seriously ill or die. So despite all these mandates, members of the Biden administration and reporters were among the 72 prominent, I'm going to call them prominent, people who tested positive for COVID-19. They attended the annual gridiron dinner in D.C. Nobody was wearing masks. They make us wear masks. As I mentioned, that's for the common people. Our political elite, they don't feel the need to mask. We ought to lock down D.C., lock down the White House. They want to lock down everybody else. The infected included the Attorney General Merrick Garland, Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo, New York Mayor Eric Adams, good, Reps uh, Joaquin Castro of Texas. They're all Democrats with the exception of, uh, of Susan Collins of Maine. She was infected. She's a Republican in name only. Adam Schiff. Uh, Democrat and chairman of the Intelligence Committee, if you can believe that, Vice uh, Vice President Harris, 
The communications director, Jamal Simmons, First Lady Jill Biden's press secretary, Michael LaRosa, and Valerie Biden-Owens, the president's sister. The agriculture secretary, Tom Vilsack, fully vaccinated, fully boosted, tested positive on Friday, said he had mild symptoms. Nancy Pelosi, who was not at the gridiron event, said the fully vaccinated, spokesman for Pelosi said that she's fully vaccinated, of course, and fully boosted, but she was asymptomatic, tested positive for COVID-19. This is uh, the ability of the vaccines to reduce the severity of illness has been the, the, the last argument of promoters of the shots. And uh, even the CDC director, Rochelle Walensky and others said that they failed to stop infection. And there's government data indicating there are more infections as well as deaths and hospitalizations among the vaccinated than there are among the unvaccinated. So why get vaccinated? You're carrying at least as much a viral load as those who are unvaccinated. So you're going to get the virus one way or the other. If you're going to get it, you're going to get it. The last argument of the vaccine promoters are that it, it prevents any serious illness or death. Well, it doesn't do that. It's never done that. It's never done that. These clinical trials were manipulated by Fauci and his people covering up the this, this, this whole scheme. It's to get everybody vaccinated, steer them to the vaccines. They, they, tried to, uh, they tried to silence anybody, any doctors with any different points of view on this. They want everybody vaccinated because Fauci and the NIA and the CDC and Big Pharma, they're all in this together. It's a big moneymaker. It's a $48 billion industry, Big Pharma, in getting these vaccines. You want to read more about it? It's the real Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, Big Pharma, and the global war on democracy and public health. And it's by Robert Kennedy Jr., a liberal Democrat. Did you know 600 children have died from the vaccines? 86% suffered an adverse reaction to the Pfizer vaccine in the clinical trials. It, this is unbelievable. People need to know this. Read this book. It's flying off the shelves. It's a New York Times bestseller, but you wouldn't know it because the media has a blackout on this book. There have been severe injuries and death resulting from these vaccines, but Fauci's getting rich off of them. That's why he's trying to crush uh, ivermectin and uh, what's the other one? Hydroxychloroquine and some other uh, cocktail drugs you can take. A zinc. Many people are there. Are all kinds of different therapeutics you can take to, to to combat the virus. But Fauci is running those therapeutics down in, in in favor of vaccines because he's getting a kickback from the vaccines. It's unbelievable what's happening here. I mean, I think it was Rochelle Walensky, the, the director of the CDC, or maybe even been Fauci. I was reading uh, today that he says, "Look, we're going to have to live with a certain amount of risk." The Democrats, these liberals, are so afraid of the virus. It's an unhealthy fear. And they run, you know, government at every level, the Democrats. And most of, of the education establishment, as I've mentioned, is run by Democrats. We're going to have to live with a certain amount of risk. We risk our lives every day. If you get in your car and drive to work, you're taking a risk. You could get in an accident and get killed. You, I mean, this is we're going to have to live with this. We can't live behind masks and behind all these shields and all these, you know, vaccine mandates and, uh, you know, shelter in place and lockdowns. That's not going to happen again. Not in America. Not in my neck of the woods. It's not. We need to live. Individuals need to be left free to make their own decisions. We're going to have to use our common sense like we should have been allowed to do in the first place. 
But the government locked everything down, locked down economies. Hundreds of thousands of businesses were closed. They were shuttered, never to open again. Our economy was destroyed over this reaction to this virus. The Democrats have uh, mishandled this pandemic. The Biden administration has mishandled it from the, from the onset. Most state governments, look at the blue states, look at New York state. The governor, our former governor, got all these plaudits from everybody saying how great a job he did handling the pandemic. And he wrote a book about it, allegedly using state workers on state time to write the book. I think maybe he's beaten all the, the sexual, inappropriate sexual conduct. He's beating, he's beaten back all those charges. But I think the one issue that's still, still dogging him is writing this book with the use of state workers helping him on state time. That's the one issue I don't, I don't think he's beaten back yet. Anyway, uh, mask mandates are still in effect. I'm reading in the New York Post here. Across the country, government mandated masking is mostly over but not all of it. Many college campuses still have mask mandates in place, even though their student populations are almost entirely vaccinated. Why would you need to be masked if you're vaccinated? You're admitting the vaccines don't work. George Washington University, for one, still has a universal indoor mask mandate in place with no plans of ending it, though it requires students to be vaccinated and boosted. And they test them every other week. And George Washington University is not alone. NYU, UCLA, University of Michigan still require masks. For some reason, these fools running these universities, again, they're Democrats, they're clinging to this desperately, these mask mandates. Why are they doing this? Another thing, this uh, mask mandate, if you're traveling on airplanes or in buses, it's a federal rule. The, uh, the mandate on airplanes is set to expire on the 18th of April. And will it be extended? I mean, the, the airlines are just pleading with the federal government to lift the mandate. It's a problem. And Democrats, I think, want to keep this whole facade going right past the midterms. But it's not going to work this time. You're not going to have all these, these write-in ballots. You're going to have to vote on election day, like we've been doing since God knows how long. Only exemption being the military. You, you have to come and vote on election day, period. No more of these write-in ballots or these drop-off boxes. It's unbelievable what's happening here. We uh, have no time. That's it. We're out of time, folks. Thank you very much for tuning us in. This is the Pac-Man Podcast. I'm Ted Flint. And if you like what you hear, uh, hit the like button. Hit subscribe, please. Hit subscribe and share this program wherever you listen to your podcast, whatever platform. Share it. Uh, we appreciate it. And leave a comment in the comment section. Leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing because, you know, we aim to please you. That's what we're doing here. We we work uh, to uh, bring you a product we think is is uh, informative, entertaining at times. And uh, we think we have a good product on the BMG Network. That's where we, uh, that's our home base, the BMG Network. We have a list of fine shows there, many fine uh, podcasters. And uh, so Kenny Burns does a show on Monday night. We have Adrian Ross on Tuesday. This program, Wednesdays, my daughter Madeline did a bang up a show. I did not hear it yet. She says, Dad, you got to listen to this show. I re this is the best one I've ever done. It's called The Essentials with Maddie Flint. And uh, she does a really fine job, edits her own show and selects her own music. And uh, she's very talented. Of course, I have to, I don't have to say that, but she is, you know. What can I say? Text after her mother. So her show's on Thursday. So again, check it out. The BMGnetwork.com. If you want to contact me directly, it's Pacman, P-A-C-M-A-N, at 
thebmgnetwork.com, all lowercase. Thanks for tuning us in, folks. And if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you real soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to thebmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.